Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. Alice, as ever, we'll start with a random question. Uh, what is, if you've got one, your hangover cure? Oh, more beer? Hey. Is that the right answer? <laughs> it's not. A hair of the dog that bit you? <laughs> um, is I that mean, actually your answer? I mean, I'll, I will give a proper more foodie, healthy answer, but if you do just keep drinking, the hangover doesn't quite hit. And that is tried and tested, obviously in the long run, not yep. ideal. But don't you find like if you wake up and then you've got that awful dry mouth and your head hurts and then just like a nice crisp bottle of Peroni or something. The Keith nice. Richards approach. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I live and die by Richards. Uh, but really now actually, as I've got a bit older, some fresh fruit and particularly watermelon, I oh. find is a phenomenal hangover cure with like a big glass of orange juice and a massive pot of black coffee. That really sort me out. I've never thought about watermelon as a hangover Fantastic, delicious. Why? What's yours? Um, Probably, just like cheap fruit ice lollies. Oh, like what? Just the general shop zone usually. No frills. Yeah, just plain (laughs) blackcurrant or orange lemon ice lollies. And then Coke. Oh, yeah. Coca-Cola. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. of course. That's what we Coca-Cola meant. Coca-Cola with ice. Yeah, um, yeah. Fizzy, cold, yeah, refreshing. Yeah, all that make stuff, you burp. Oh, gross. M- maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe LucasAid. LucasAid, um, yeah. That'll really pick you up. And then, then I just find that I'm an absolute bin all day. Just yeah, eating. Anything. McDonald's as well. Oh, yeah. Always so does good. it. That's pretty much the only time I have a McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, that's the um, exception. It's not, I mean, that's not the, the best ringing endorsement for them. <laughs> I am loving <laughs> yeah. it, though. I am loving it. <laughs> so, uh, this week's film is a Legend, the Tom Hardy one where he plays both Equatorians from 2015, not the mm-hmm. 80s Tom Cruise one. Uh, spoiler warning, if you've not seen this one, there will be spoilers. Um, this week's film was chosen by Alice. Alice, uh, what's the film about? The film is about the Cray twins, as you said. It's about their 
kind of what they've been getting up to, I suppose, in their gangster life. You know, one of them finds love, sort of, and the other one also sort of finds love. And then we kind of follow them on this journey of crime and violence. And then, unfortunately, it ends up with them both in prison, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, they, where they remained. For, yeah, um, for the rest of their days. Apart from, I think, one week where Reggie was allowed out oh, on compassionately because yeah. he was dying. So mm. they basically, yeah, they remained in prison for the rest of their lives, yeah. yeah. Or uh, Ronnie was in a was in Broadmoor. Oh yeah, yeah. So a psychiatric unit. Mm. So why did you pick it? Is the, it underrated? Is it underseen? Did you just like it? The reason, the core reason that I picked this one was because I felt like that Tom Hardy was not given the credit he deserved for mm-hmm. playing the two lead roles in that film. And I feel like I didn't even give him the credit that he deserved when I saw it. I think I saw it like just as it came out in 2015. And I remember liking it. I was like, yeah, this is okay. Like I was really into Tom Hardy, still am. Um, and But that was kind of it and that was the end of it. And then it just kind of came to me uh, like over the past few weeks and I was like really considering how challenging it would be to play both main characters and how much is riding on your shoulders from a like a studio point of view. Mm. So your main man is what it's one guy playing the leads. If he gets sick, if he yeah. injures himself, if he can't film one week for whatever, you there's so much riding it's, it's on it. It's double the risk, isn't it? Absolutely. And I just felt like it was so ambitious. So I was like, I need to revisit this. I need to see. I needed to see with more mature eyes, I think, Tom Hardy and, and how, he, how he did yeah, it. Yeah, really. how he aged and yeah. stuff. But I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm really glad that I went back to watch it. And Tom Hardy, I thought, was absolutely phenomenal as both characters. And brilliant that he could make them so defined in their own right. Like some of his facial expressions and the way he uses his face. And I know we've discussed this previously with Stuart Life Backwards, but the way Tom Hardy uses his face is just fantastic. That you can just completely change how he looks with like how he does his mouth or the way he speaks or like how his lips go over. Just brilliant. Um, sorry, just, whew, just thinking about Tom Hardy all the time. Um, who, who isn't? What, what, was, what was your question? Yeah. Why did I pick it? Well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> Had you, had you seen it? Yeah, okay. so, so I had seen it before. And you are right about Tom Hardy in that there's a lot riding on his performance because when you play two characters, it, it's, it's really difficult to walk that line between getting taken seriously and like, like Eddie Murphy playing all the characters in The Nutty Professor. Okay, right. So I had seen it before. I'd seen it like, similar to you, like probably when it had just come out on DVD or streaming or, or whatever. So didn't see it in the cinema, but I did see it not that long mm-hmm. after it came out. I must say, and I'm sorry to say this is probably actually the first for the whole podcast, it's the first time possibly that someone's picked a film that I've already seen and didn't like that much. Okay. Don't get me wrong, I've got some good things to say about it as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I was good. I was a little bit gutted when you picked it for two reasons. The first one was because um, I was thinking of picking a Tom Hardy film. Oh, <laughs> and I thought, no. that's just too much Tom. It is a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you can you've never... already picked one. It was yeah, my go. He's, had his, he's, had his, <laughs> he's getting a lot of uh, exposure, not that he needs it from us. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll save that choice for a, a later time. Uh, what were you going to pick? Please tell me. I can't tell you. Oh, I can't tell okay, you. It's okay. A, it's, All right. It's another Keep Tom it Hardy film that isn't one of the ones we've already done. Okay. Not to give it away. But it's it, one of those ones. So in a few weeks' time, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. It's not Batman. Okay. Um, it's not the 
one where he's with Reese with a spoon. This means war, is yeah, that? It's not oh, that one. wow. <laughs> is not that, that him one. and Chris Pine? That cannot be saved. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so I was, I was a little bit gutted because of that reason. That's fine. I'll forgive you that. You know, we all make mistakes. <laughs> but the other thing was that I, I remember watching this and finding it, finding issues with the film and okay. thinking, right, well, I'm going to have to watch it again mm-hmm. and, and see if those issues are still there or if they've changed. However, like I said, there are some good things um, that I have, I have to say about the film. So yeah, so my, my kind of defining memory of the film from when I first saw it was that it was, a, it was, a, it was an okay film mm-hmm. carried by a fantastic performance, which isn't that far from what you've just said. But I do remember thinking like I had kind of issues with the level of coherence in the story and a little bit of issues with the portrayal of them in the way that it kind of slightly, this might be a bit harsh, but slightly glamorizes them. Okay. So, which we'll come on to now. So having rewatched it again, what did you think of the film as a whole, as a film? What do you think? As a film, I thought there were a lot of really good points and I did enjoy it. I thought it looked great. I I thought the costume and the cars and stuff, obviously because it's from that time period, so you can have a lot of fun with the costume and the look. Um, I thought the music was great. I thought it all really came together quite nicely to build a world. I like that sometimes it was really quite fantastical, like there's a prison scene where one of the prison guards is sat on this unbelievably tall chair like it looks like something out of a pantomime just like Mm, something that wouldn't exist and sort of the way the streets are and the way the bars are all decked out there's just something so well stylish about it and like you say there you're worried that it it perhaps glamorizes the characters I wonder with that if because so I'm not very familiar with the craze at all Uh, I grew up in rural North Wales we we didn't get out much (laughs) yeah the the craters don't have a lot of sway up there I don't think so not that I know of lesser into sheep wrestling but anyway (laughs) so it's they just weren't something that I was super familiar with and I guess this film was like my first kind of look at them and because I didn't have that pre-existing knowledge they didn't feel real to me Mm -hmm. so I never really had that problem what do you think about that? About the glamorization of them? Yeah. So I, I don't know that much about them, but do have a little bit of an issue with the way... There's always been this weird thing with... I, I don't, again, I don't know that much about the craze, but they're always portrayed as like... They were gangsters, but they, they had their own community at their heart, and they were like kind of like... They were good lads, but they were mm-hmm. a bit rough. Mm-hmm. But they, they did like murder people, mm-hmm. and they, you know... You do see that though, and he, film. you know, Reggie just rape his wife, mm. and it's like it's not. They weren't. They, there was a glamour around them because they rubbed shoulders with like Barbara Windsor and people, kind of stars of, of the time, because they owned glamorous nightclubs and stuff. But ultimately, there was a reason why they both then went and spent like over thirty years in prison. Of course, the message of the film isn't that they're good blokes. My problem with the film is I think it's not sure what its message is. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, but back to what you were saying about the way the film looks, mm. I do think, like, that's one of the things I noticed. Is it looks and sounds amazing. Yeah. Like, the suits and the cars and, the, like, the, the streets of London, the terraced houses. So iconically London, It looks isn't incredible. It? Yeah. It, 
but it does look, it almost looks a little bit too polished. Yeah, a bit, bit, bit shiny, definitely. Like, I was like every that. single suit is, every single suit is ironed within an inch of its life, not a speck yeah. of dust. Every single car, like it looks like it's just come straight out of the showroom. Yeah, yeah, there's no rubbish on the streets. Yeah, there's no, no rubbish on the streets. I mean, that might be on purpose. Well, something that I was thinking is because obviously the film is narrated by Reggie's wife, mm. Frances who, as we know, is dead. Yeah. But she is the narrator. She is the storyteller. So what we're getting is her version of events because obviously there are a few moments where Reggie is seen to be, you know, like quite romantic, I suppose. And she's like, oh, he was so lovely to me and gentle and all this. Yeah, my Reg. Yeah, that, yeah. Because yeah. you are getting it from her, which means she's an unreliable uh, narrator because she is dead. It's like, yeah, it's kind of American Beauty-ish, isn't it? In mm. that sense, someone telling the story from beyond the grave. So is there that kind of washed, kind of sterilised hue to it all because of that? Yeah, because it's how she's remembering it. She's obviously remembering it as being nicer than it was. Yeah. In and some it, regards, and it obviously. Does, like, like you said, it, or everything looks clean, there's no... There's no pollution. No, no. Like, London looks amazing. Mm. It, London's never looked that good. Everyone's shoes are yeah. just shining. But, you know, it does create a good world of the film. Mm-hmm. It does it does suck you into this world where they ruled it and they were, you know, they, they were kind of, they wanted to conquer London, like they say. Um, I think there's some really good kind of camera work in there I as was, well. Yeah, I was just thinking as well. There's, some really long, just some really diverse shots and then mm. you get some of the really, really long takes where the the camera just doesn't cut at all. So when they come into, is it Esmeralda's barn? Yeah. Uh, Reggie and Francis walk in and the camera's on them and that's it then. The camera never leaves. You don't get any cuts whatsoever. The camera just follows them around the bar. They go to the table to talk to the guys that owe them some money or whatever mm. and then they come and sit on their own on like um, that on a table day? for two. On the date. Is that the date? Yeah, Yeah. the first date. Yeah, yeah, it might be that one. But you're you're right. And that kind of, that coupled with the costume and the fact that it all looks amazing, by following him, by following him around that club, they're kind of saying to you, look at this, look at what a great job we've done of making it look like 60s East End London. (laughs) Yeah. And they do, they do. I mean, I. I, I, Let him show up. Yeah, eh? I wasn't alive in 60s East End London, but. I've seen EastEnders. Yeah, I've seen EastEnders. <laughs> I've seen other films. Yeah. But it does, it looks, it looks, if a little polished, mm-hmm. but there might be the point. You know, some films do just want to show you nice cars and nice costume. My issue is a little bit, is it too polished and is it too sterilized when you consider what actually goes on? Like even when there's fights and stuff in the film, there's not a great deal of blood. Mm-hmm. So there is a kind of almost like a stylization to the way it looks, which is to the film's credit, like regardless of what I think of some of the subject matter, it looks great mm-hmm. um, and it sounds great and it's shot really well. It's definitely, without sounding too simplistic, a film. <laughs> I don't know. Thanks for it's, clearing that it's up, It's definitely Jess. a film. Isn't really something that is any anything any any reviewer would ever say, but the, yeah, you heard it here first. Legend is definitely a film. <laughs> So I thought it was very funny as well. I don't know if you got this, but um, just some of the jokes, some of the chat between the guys, obviously. I mean, kind of that London gangster thing. Like, if you think about things like like Lockstock and like Snatch, like we've got all these films and they do follow these certain tropes of where it's kind of like this really awful behaviour and sometimes gratuitous violence on this backdrop of comedy. 
And I do think you did get that. And I did laugh a few times. It's the way, the way they talk very lyrically. They're speaking in poetry. Mm-hmm. Is Again, it's quite stylized. No one, I've never met anyone who speaks like that because mm-hmm. you'd have to literally think about what you were saying and write it down and then read it out again because yeah. it's so lyrical. It's so well thought out. It's so precise. There's a really famous scene in the in the bar where they have the fight and he's, you know, got the pint of Guinness. He's talking about the pint of Guinness and then he's talking about how it's not a fair fight and he kind of goes, so I brought these and he's got two knuckle dusters. And that is, it, again, it's back to the stylization of the film. So there is really dark moments when you, when you actually think about what's going on. Mm. You know, there's just a bunch of guys beating the absolute shit out of each other. Yeah. But there is a dark humour to that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember any of Ronnie's, what does he say? He says like little quotes or like riddles. Is that when he talks he about like... he says something about blood being thicker than water and turns it into like, he just has a really dramatic way of speaking I find Ronnie sometimes and then he's like because a lot of the time he sort of comes off as a bit slow because he's just like not quick to react or whatever and mm. he's got like this slack jaw and stuff but then like he'll just say like these really in perhaps another context like really sort of meaningful and poignant you know life lessons yeah. I think he says a few to Francis yeah he says a lot of like existential stuff that's about it. life doesn't it it's like, it's like towards the end um, for her character uh, dies he says something about having to cut off a piece of yourself mm-hmm. to like you have to cut off a piece of yourself to show someone you love them or in order something to get through like life you sometimes yeah. have to cut a piece of you off and leave it with the past or yeah. it's something like that and i know what you mean he comes out with this really eloquent existential style statements whilst mm. also talking about just wanting to like murder everybody mm. so i know what you mean so the main thing about this film and the main reason you picked it is it's all on Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. So having watched it again, what did you think of his, as his portrayal? Was it better than you remember? Was it not as good? What do you think? It was better than I remember, yeah. certainly, because I f- you feel very different ways about Reggie and about Ronnie. So like in the, you know, in the sort of wider world or whatever, you just hear, oh, the Cray twins. And then I suppose you just make assumptions of what they are like. But they themselves are individuals and they're very different as well. So obviously Reggie is, you know, smooth talker. He's very good looking. He's really kind of ambitious and driven. He is, Tom Hardy is far better looking than the Grey Twins. Yeah. Have you ever seen them? <laughs> I don't think I have, no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tom Hardy looks like Tom Hardy. Yeah. They look like your dad's mate who we borrow an orbital sander off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what they look like. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry, as you were saying. So, so it was great that you do get these two very distinct and different feelings and you feel very differently towards the characters. The other thing is as well, physically. So obviously there's a lot of fighting in the film and there's a very long scene where Reggie is fighting Ronnie. Mm. So Tom Hardy is fighting himself. And... I just think about the work that must have gone into that. So you've got the various... Obviously, you're going to have, like, body doubles and stuff stepping in. But you've also got to be changing between characters, like, in your head and then, like, dialogue-wise and then movement-wise as well Mm. because they don't move the same. They walk different, they gesture different, their faces are different. So I I just think he did such a great job given the task that he had to do. And I... Think just massive kudos to him. Yeah, but no, you are right. It's all on Tom Hardy's performance, and despite kind of my issues with with, with the film, he is great in this. 
like you say, the way he changes physicality. Like there are times when, even though I know they're identical twins, but Ronnie looks physically bigger, mm-hmm. and it's, it's I think it's meant to be that he had more weight on him, mm. which obviously because they're identical twins doesn't mean one can be fat and one can't, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So yeah, so so Ronnie looks physically bigger. He's like hunched over. He's got that, like you say, slack jaw. He changes his gait. He changes the way he walks. He changes. I mean, another glass has kind of changed his eye line, but mm-hmm. he he doesn't blink, mm-hmm. so he does he does change. And then Reggie, there's a lot more I think emotion to Reggie mm-hmm. in 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 the film. You know, he does kind of start. He, he seems to go on more of a journey in in, mm-hmm. in terms of his emotional arc, whereas Ronnie is kind of a little bit more one note. So I do think that the differences between his performances are um, are really really good, and he, and a lesser actor. This is a straight-to-DVD shite film, as far as I'm concerned. It was just... It's so ambitious. Like, for him as a performer and just the film. And I just think it deserves a lot of credit for that. And like you say, they've sent a piece where they fight each other. That is incredible, that scene. Mm. I I must say that. I've had one criticism, and it's not... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
it's that sometimes he goes a little bit cartoony mm-hmm. with Ronnie. I mean, not not Reggie. With Reggie, he's very he's, he's amazing. But there is there are times when you think that I mean that's crazy, like the way he acts. But I don't know what they were like. Yeah, I'd love to know how accurate it was. Mm. The whole thing, the story, like their personalities, everything. So I suppose we'll move on to anything that we didn't like about the film. Um, Alice, was there anything that kind of didn't like? Any issues you had with the film having watched it again? I think, because I think you touched on the coherency of of the whole thing. And I would would agree with you with that. There would be some times where I'd be like, oh shit, who's this? Who's this guy? Who's this character? Like, where are we in the storyline? I do feel like, so a lot, I... For me, obviously, the film is told from the point of view of Francis. And so that's how I take that's mm. how I take it. So when it gets to a scene where it's like, oh, yeah, I don't really know what's going on here. Maybe it's because she wasn't there. She can't give you the full detail. So that's interesting. I never thought of that. So you, you're very much using the narration as, an, as, as a that's the eye through the eye through which you're viewing the story. So yeah. if anything's wrong, it's because she wasn't there. So she's extrapolated what she did know. Yeah. See, that's interesting because I, I, I never thought of that because I do have some issues with the cohesion of the film and I do have some issues with the narration. I do. So her narration from a technical standpoint wasn't great. It's strange, isn't very, it? She's very clearly reading. That's um, it. Because you, you get some narrators who they can just nail it and it's like smooth and it's just, there's no pauses. It's like they're natural, like it's coming to them off the top of their head. But with her, it was very clear that she was reading a script. And the actor is Australian, so obviously mm. she's doing an accent. And that I know that takes a lot of an actor's concentration, so it kind of sort of lag in other areas yeah. when they're doing and she that. she is a good actress, Emily Browning. You know, she's in a series of unfortunate events. She's good mm-hmm. in that. She's in, I haven't seen Sucker Punch, but she's in that. She was good in American Gods, the, oh, Neil, the Neil Gaiman. Have, so she is in that, right? Seen, yeah, have you seen American Only Gods? one or two episodes, but she is in that, right? She, she is, and this. she's fantastic. And the right. show is fantastic. Everyone watch American Gods. <laughs> but I, do, I think that narration seems to be used almost like it was added in. So it's like they shot the film and then went, oh, some stuff isn't clear. Interesting. So they put some, I, I don't know. No, but I, but I the, can see, I can see what you mean. It's, it's like they, they put it in at, at times when they need to tidy stuff up. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like you say, it's like it's been written and she's reading it. So it kind of like lacks energy. Mm-hmm. There is a bit like when she says something about how she is, the character when she's alive has been stressed out by such a degree by Reggie and his activities, that she's taking some sort of pills mm-hmm. to numb her. It doesn't say what they are. It's inferred that they're some sort of either antidepressant or something like that, because it also mentions that she's had some sort of mental health problem, but never really goes into it, never touches on it. It's like that kind of thing of, I've never seen her this bad since at another time. And mm-hmm. she's, like you, like you said, you know, she's had a funny turn. Or, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, she's just a bit down in the dumps. Yeah, you know? it never really says what, what it actually is, but it implies that she's already had a pre-existing mental health condition. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she's taking these pills, and she says something in the narration like, mother's little helpers or mama's little helpers. Okay, And yeah. she doesn't, she says it with no emphasis. She mm-hmm. just kind of goes, mother's little helpers. And it's is, like, it's is no... Is that because she's dead inside, though? It could be. And dead in actuality actually, as well. Because she's actually dead. <laughs> no, no, but I do, no, I, I do agree with you because at first 
I really wasn't a fan of the narration. Like the action was starting and stuff. And then every now and then it would come in. I was like, oh, I don't really like this narration. It's just, it does feel a bit out of place. So it drops the energy totally right understand. down for me. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, it kind of starts off okay. And in, in setting it up, you know, London, the 60s. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, okay, I know where I am. And then as it goes on, you're like, all right, like, I don't really know what you, what the point of this is. Yeah. And I think if that wasn't there, I think it would lack even more cohesion. But like you say, there are some things in it that aren't clear enough. So, for example, like, Reggie goes away to prison, never says how long for. It's for some sort of pre-existing warrant. It's implied that he doesn't go away for very long, I don't think. It might even be less than a year. And he comes out and Ronnie has run the club or one of the clubs that they own into the ground. Mm -hmm. Never says how. Mm. just says he's run it into the ground. He just gets out of prison. That's before they have their big fight. Mm. Gets out of prison and the club is just empty. And he's like, it's Friday night. Why isn't it, you know, why isn't it bouncing isn't type it bouncing? thing? Yeah, and yeah. the only other inclination you get that he's kind of losing losing his mind a little bit is he just gets up on stage at one point and does this really kind of like excruciating half sing-song, half stand-up comedy, talking to the audience, mm. weird scene, which just was completely out of place for me and was really cringeworthy whether that's supposed to show that Ronnie wasn't quite mentally stable I don't know but it it didn't show anything enough for me it didn't go into it enough it just it was just like Ronnie's unhinged and that's it yeah yeah so I did you know and there's other things that I know there's, there's a few inaccuracies in there that do add to the the lack of cohesion so he said he meets some some gangsters from America at one point it's not quite clear who they are it does it does mention it but it, I don't know, remember it's like you say, it could be that thing of because she wasn't there because she never is it, when they're doing business. This is the thing. And you don't want to, obviously, I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely what they intended and they nailed it because it could also just be that there was some oversights and mm. it wasn't, you know, all glued together quite nicely in the end. There is some stuff. I know that they do play with history a little bit. So, for example, um, Ronnie in the film is openly homosexual. Mm-hmm. And it keeps making a point of telling people. In reality, he was terrified of anybody knowing. Yeah. Because it was seen at the time as a, as a, obviously they were talking 50 years ago, it was seen as a sign of weakness. Yeah, yeah. So he himself saw it as a weakness or mm-hmm. something that could be exploited. That maybe one of the issues is that people were looking at it or go to it thinking that it's going to be a biopic. Mm. And it's not. It's just, it's a story. I don't think it's a biopic at all because it's not it's not about them. It's about Francis and she doesn't exist anymore. So it's like it is a bit more fantasy, really. Yeah, it is. Like you're getting and you're completely assuming what she's thinking because obviously she was so young when she died. And it's just you kind of taking the idea of her and I suppose just running through what she could have thought and or it, what she might have been sort of thinking about it. And it's called legend. Yeah. So a legend is, you know, a story that's been passed down through history that is true but might have had fantastical elements applied mm-hmm. to it, like the legend of King Arthur. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is that. Maybe it is about the legend of the craze and they were these sharp suit wearing, you know, like Cockney wide boys who, yeah, they were a bit rough, but they were nice lads and they looked after the community. I think the thing as well with you saying um, about Ronnie always like saying like, oh, you know, I that he's gay, always making reference to the fact he's gay. I wonder if that's just because that's how people, like, remember it. So, oh, yeah, he was the gay one. So it's like, uh, if because if you are thinking of it in terms of being 
a legend and it being a legendary story and so therefore removed from the truth of it, then that's quite interesting as well because it's just like, oh yeah, this is what people always write about him. I think my my main issue with the film in general is that I didn't, I don't care. Yeah. Like I don't care about them as people. I don't want them to succeed. I don't want them to be happy. And I think it tried, I don't think the film itself is sure about how it feels about them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that comes back to Francis wasn't sure how she feels about them. That's a really interesting way of looking at it, actually. I'd never even given that any thought. But it almost tries to portray them like they're morally ambiguous. They've rubbed shoulders with celebrities. But, they're, you know, they're community-driven lads and, and they love their mum. But really, in reality... Community-driven lads. But they are, I do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, they more. stick around. They love... They, we, we miss the East End. They look and, after us. They do. Yeah, but it is that kind of thing. It's always... And there is, the, there is this thing with the craze of... It's always mentioned how much they loved their mum. Right. And how their mum... If you ever read anything about the, the, the Cray twins, yeah. Violet Cray, you can't get away from the fact that she almost was the matriarch, or she was the matriarch, and had say over what she did. She's got maybe one prominent scene in the film Mm -hmm. where um, it's just after Ronnie has killed George Cornell, Mm. and he comes in, like, basically saying, like, what are you doing? And she basically says, he's your brother, it doesn't matter what he's done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And apparently, there is truth to that, that Mm. she was like, no, it's family first, and it doesn't matter, and that's why they maybe had this obsession with no matter what each other did, but we're still brothers. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if I buy that idea of the, the, this moral, moral ambiguity to what they were doing. Because mm-hmm. by all accounts, they were entirely self-serving and incredibly violent. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it kind of can't decide on whether, particularly with Reggie, Ronnie, he's quite one note. He's just violent. Whereas Reggie, it's like, there is a more more of an ambiguity to him, and like maybe you know he gets really frustrated because of the way his brothers act. But actually, what he wants to do is be a nightclub owner, whereas Ronnie is obsessed with being a gangster. Mm. But Reggie's actually as violent, if not more violent, than his mm-hmm. brother because it certainly shows him doing more violence. You know, yeah, he's yeah, the one who kind of is hella violent. Yeah, he's punching Jack the Hat, and then he stabs him to death. Mm. He rapes his wife. You know, it's I just struggle with this idea of trying to find some sort of light in all that darkness mm-hmm. and I know it's not necessarily presenting the Kratons to you and being like look at these lovely lads mm-hmm. but I just don't know if it does know what it's telling me mm. you know so for example the way Francis talks about Reggie and like you say she's she's dead in, at the end of the film so maybe she's romanticizing the whole thing but when it shows him just before he gets arrested and she's like he had two tickets to Abitha yeah I was like, well, what do you fucking do? <laughs> like, oh, we had two tickets to Ibiza. We were supposed to go. He raped you. Yeah. Like, he raped yeah. you and he killed a man by stabbing him 30,000 times in front of a party full of people. Like, he wasn't a good bloke. No. So, I don't know. I struggle with the romanticization of criminality anyway. Mm. But I was just unsure as what the film thought it yeah. was. And that, that doesn't mean there wasn't good things I couldn't find in it. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, that's, that is something that you don't quite go away as satisfied as you could because you are just sort of left thinking, like it ends. And then you're like, oh, hang on. Like, what's the real resolution? And if the film doesn't know what it's trying to be, you can't truly have a proper resolution, which is obviously what you want after you've seen a film. Exactly. And and I suppose if it's based on real events and there was the conclusion was they went to prison and died, well, it's not really got... I'm not saying it had to have a happy ending, but it didn't have a satisfying ending, did it? I think it was a bit style over substance. 
that's probably yeah style over substance and the actual substance itself came from a place it, that it's hard to get any any substance from mm-hmm. so you have to paper over the cracks with style yeah but, but which they did a great job of it looks it amazing looks, looks lovely but just isn't as good in itself perhaps Alice, I believe you want to take me and the listeners on a journey. On a journey through time and soil, because I'm taking you down the rabbit hole for this bit that we're going to call Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. Take it away. So I want to focus on Emily Browning, our narrator in the film Francis. Emily has been in a lot of films, but I didn't really know who she was until recently. Emily is Australian and her debut acting role was in 1998 when she was just 10 years old and she's been pretty busy ever since, winning an Australian Film Institute Award in 2003 at just 15 years old. Stephanie Mayer, author of The Twilight Books, was keen to get her to play Bella in the films, but she had to turn it down due to exhaustion. She enjoys to sing and claims that her audition tape for Sucker Punch that sees her give a rendition of Killing Me Softly brought tears to her casting agent's eyes. She currently plays dead wife Laura Moon in American Gods and it sounds like she was handpicked for the role by Neil Gaiman himself, with Neil saying I've been fascinated by Emily Browning since a series of unfortunate events. Browning almost turned down the role, saying she didn't just want to play another helpless wife just waiting to be saved by a hero. Showrunners not wanting to give too much away reassured Emily that Laura Moon does develop into a pretty cool character. I've heard this all before, she said, but finally she actually read some of the book which left her convinced. She now says that Dead Wife is the coolest character she's ever played. And that was Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. You good. So you could say that um, in the film, Francis does suffer a series of unfortunate events. Oh! <laughs> and she ends up as Sorry. Dead Wife she again. She does end up as a Dead Wife again, yeah. <laughs> so we'll move on to the... Um, critical reception of the film um what do you think we're looking at alice how do you think this did good bad so taking into consideration some of the things that you said i completely agree and i can certainly see where you're coming from so thinking about that i do wonder if that would put people off and feeling like that as it doesn't quite know what it wants to be that people find that a bit dissatisfying so i wonder about that i don't remember it doing fantastically well when it came out. It just sort of came and went. People were like, oh, Tom Hardy's new film, and then it went. I'd kind of forgotten about it after I saw it, but I do think Tom Hardy did such a great job. If I was going to score it, I would give it an eight because of Tom Hardy. I would. Um, But I suppose as a film on the whole and for audiences, I don't think it did that well. I'd go maybe seven. And then maybe sit on seven. Yeah, so you're not you're not far off. So on IMDb, it gets six point nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it sixty one percent, and the audience give it fifty nine percent. So that oh. kind of evens out at a six and a half out so, of ten. Do you know what people didn't like about it? What are pretty people much saying? what we've said. Yeah, I think that the, the lack of cohesion, the mm. kind of style over substance element. My recollection is that it was all about Tom Hardy's performance and anything less than his performance was kind of just fell by the wayside so my favourite part about the critical section of this film is if you look at the DVD they've hidden a two star review oh really you look at the DVD 
between the two Kratwins, there's a two-star review surrounded by four-star reviews. Mm-hmm. And it makes it look like the two Kratwins block out the extra two stars. Yeah, yeah. So that's that a bit sounds cheeky, familiar, but, yeah. But I think the, the the main issues with it was it was style over substance mm-hmm. and lacked kind of cohesion in the script and in the, in the, in the direction. Um, so what do you think? I'm guessing you think it's probably... I think that's underrated. underrated. I do think that's underrated. What was that? 57? 59, what, like 59 from the audience, that the audience 61 gave it? From, yeah, about I, six and a half. I feel like that's harsh, personally. <sighs> See, I'm afraid I don't. Really? A 59? Yeah, yeah, I think it's overrated. What? Yeah, I would put that like, like wow. five. I, I, just, for me, it just Tom Hardy's performance elevates it from bad to okay. Mm-hmm. It lacks that narrative cohesion. There's some issues with the script. There's some issues with the way t- taking away my personal issues kind of would make I, mean, I sound like Mary Whitehouse or something when I'm talking about this glamorization of the criminal class it's not yeah. like it's just, boring Josh <laughs> it, yeah, I just don't like the way it makes them look like they were just kind of cheeky chappies when in mm-hmm. fact they were violent criminals but you know mm-hmm. that aside I think the film lacks a bit of direction Mm-hmm. And I think that's a shame because obviously there's a lot to say and there's a lot mm. to tell. Like the Cray twins are obviously very interesting people in their own right. And I'm sure like that there would be a good film about them yeah. out there or somewhere. Or a TV series or something. Yeah, yeah like something the potential like is there. You've got the source material. They did all these things. Like you haven't yeah. got to make it up. So I suppose it would feel very dissatisfying if you were going into it thinking you were getting something and it just didn't deliver. Two-dimensional, I guess. Yeah, so there we go. It's a, it's. I haven't really changed really. I think it's a good film, but it's a great performance in an okay film mm-hmm. with some issues. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, we're kind of tied on <laughs> what it is. Yeah, I think underrated for sure. You say underrated, mm-hmm. I say overrated. So, we what we'll do, we'll put it to a vote on Twitter. Okay. So, okay. Vote, Interesting. is Legend underrated, overrated, or appropriately rated? We'll put it out and let us know and we'll... Uh, We'll tweet the results. So oh, it should be, yeah. it should be interesting. I will be interested to know actually. Very interested. I've actually. met a lot of people who really like the film. Okay. Like I've not met many. In fact, other than my partner who watched it at the same time as me, I don't know if I've ever met anyone who disliked it as much as me. But and yet the reviews aren't. And yet the quite reviews poor. aren't great. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, we'll see what everybody says. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so next week it is my turn to pick a film. Um, so we will be watching. Uh, it's funny you should mention American Gods and Neil Gaiman, actually, because next week we'll be watching Stardust. Okay, Stardust. Have I seen that? You know what? I can't remember if I have. Well, that's what we'll be watching next week, so it'll be interesting to see what you think. Yeah. Um, please uh, do get in touch. Let us know what you thought about Legend. Please do vote in the poll so we can actually get an answer other than just me and Alice voting <laughs> in it. Um, if you'd like to get in touch, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com and the Twitter is at films underscore that. And we're on the old Facebook and Instagram as at Films and That Pod. Um, thanks very much for joining me, as ever, Alice. All Thank around. you, Josh. Pleasure as always. And <laughs> we look forward to seeing you next week. Cheerio. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.